Good afternoon. Oh, excuse me. We actually late tonight. Good evening, the back community. Uh, thank you as always for staying involved. Thank you for staying engaged. Uh, I do have uh, Mr. Gary Woodside Ely, uh, who's going to be on here with us tonight. And we're going to be diving into uh, a lot about the community. We're going to be talking about uh, his path to ownership and being an operator uh, with McDonald's uh, over the years. But uh, I happen to have the privilege of knowing Gary since I was a young man. And it is such a privilege to be able to have you on the back community. So uh, uh, thank you for affording me your time today. It's my pleasure. And I, I appreciate you giving me a platform to speak on. So thank you. And I, I'm proud of what, you, what you've done in your life. And uh, I know the best is yet to come. Oh, oh God willing, God willing. <laughs> Well, let me see. Let me see. Uh, I know I have the distinct pleasure of knowing you, but uh, those uh, uh, those individuals uh, in our community uh, there in Indiana, as well as Auburn, New York or D.C., where I'm at, uh, they may not know you uh, directly. So here's your opportunity, Gary, to tell the back community more about you, what it is that you do and uh, what it is that you're passionate about. Uh, here's your opportunity to tell us about you. Well, uh, thank you for giving me the time to just share a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a native of New York. I grew up in New York City. And then um, maybe 40 years ago, I took a leap of faith and went upstate to Albany, New York. And I tell people leaving New York City, Harlem, where people thought I would make it out of alive, uh, Albany changed my life. I said Albany saved my life. Uh, started there, um, family, career at McDonald's Corporation that still spans. I'm an operator now after 36 years with McDonald's Corporation and I decided to buy a restaurant. But prior to that, McDonald's took me up and down the East Coast, uh, to Illinois, to Kentucky, and now I'm a resident of Carmel, Indiana. Um, three kids, five grandkids, a host of great nieces and nieces and nephew. Uh, and um, you know, my passion is all, oh, how do I be a role model to show our youth that they can do anything possible. As I said, all things are possible for those who believe. I think it's Matthew 9 and 13. So uh, that's, my, you know, I want to give back to my community no matter where I'm at. Nice. Uh, one of the things I've also done, I've always been a part of Junior Achievement. Albany, I started part of the 100 Black Men of Albany. I was a member there. Uh, and then in Kentucky, I was president of the 100 Black Men of Kentucky for uh, about two years. Uh, that's it about me. And hopefully I can share a little bit more about me throughout the conversation we have. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I thank you for opening up and, and telling us that uh, 36 years, did you say 36 years with McDonald's? 36 years with the corporation. With, with yep. the corporations. Uh, please tell me uh, uh, how did McDonald's choose you or how did you choose McDonald's? That's a, that's a very tenured career. Uh, with one place. Uh, uh, how has that journey been for you? You know, it, it was, um, I think, uh, a job that I took on by accident. Mm. You know, graduated from College of St. Rose, had a more of a, a technology background, but didn't do my due diligence to, 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 to maximize that. So after graduating, becoming a father, husband, needed to work. So good friend of mine um, said, my wife currently works um, in McDonald's. There might be an opportunity for you to work there. 
And I didn't even go prepared for an interview. Mm. And they had something called a three-day on-the-job evaluation. So they evaluate you, and I evaluate them to see if it's a good fit. Mm. And one thing that I found out about McDonald's where I was there in Waterbury, it was about it wasn't about selling burgers, it was about people. Mm. So I saw that people piece of it that really attracted me to the company. And then, like I said earlier, I didn't even do my homework to know that it was a Fortune 500 company. Mm. But as the supervisor sat down with me and said, hey, we want to bring you on board, but we don't want you to be in a restaurant for your entire life. We want you to work with the franchise community. We want you to do this and this. I'm saying, wow, you don't mean a restaurant all my life. Mm. And so I went back home and did my homework. I said, this is the company I can work for. Mm. And as I get to know McDonald's, I started to understand their values. They talk about we give back to the community we do business in. And that was the one thing that they taught me in Albany, how to give back to communities. I was part of the Boys and Girls Club Board of Directors. Uh, St. Peter's asked me to be on the board. Mm. I gave back to the Urban League mm. and so forth and so forth. They allowed me to give money to grants. Mm. But that's the way uh, it happened. Uh, and as a young man, uh, I wouldn't even sit in front of you in an interview and talk to you right now. Mm. But McDonald's put me on the stage with 1,500 people, 1,000 people and taught me how to become comfortable as I, my career grow to be a part of um, uh, society. I love so, it. Uh, yeah. I love it. And, and it's, 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 it's obviously at, at, at this stage of life, uh, we know that there's a lot of success uh, with corporations like, uh, like McDonald's, whether you decide to be uh, a franchisee or, or just uh, uh, on the employee route. But, you know, oftentimes we don't really hear how far or we don't see as often how far you could really take a career uh, uh, with McDonald's. Most times people would just think about being uh, a, a cashier or a cook. And I know those are the jobs that uh, uh, used to be readily available to us when I was a kid uh, working at McDonald's. But no one ever really explained, like you said, that pathway to being able to say, actually, I don't want to keep you here in the restaurant. I also want you to explore all of these different aspects of McDonald's and how it is uh, integrated in the communities and where we're at. And I think if people understood that aspect of McDonald's a little, a little bit more that, you know what, this is part, this is a Fortune 500 company. Like you right. said, it was just like, there's a, there's a lot more opportunity here if done right, if taken advantage of the right opportunities and connected with the right people. Right. And you think about our young adults these days. Uh, one of the things we look for, how do you become a team player? You know, because we have different departments within the restaurant, but it takes everyone working together to deliver that product to the guests, whether it's speed of service, quality of food, cleanliness of the restaurant, all those things take a team. And I think the one thing I also talk about is that it helped me to be a better communicator. It helped you to interact with guests, be communicating better. And, it, and I always talk about when, when I go to work, I, I have fun. It's not work, but you want to have fun doing it. And it helped me to have enjoy the environment I'm in and create an environment that's fun. And it helps. So uh, when we have other things, systems, we teach people ordering, scheduling, you know, customer, customer service. So we can get you involved with training. You can be a crew trainer so you can train people and take these life skills into the next job that you, that you look at. I love it. I love yeah. it. Let me see. And uh, I know you did allude to it earlier. I know you moved from, uh, from I think, Harlem, New York, up, in, uh, up to Albany. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things I always ask for individuals who come on from the Capital District area is, 
uh, uh, what part of the Capital District area uh, did you grow up in? The Capital District was uh, uh, up, I guess, in Lark Street area, Central, okay. Central Towers, with I spent time, most of my, you know, I went to St. Rose, my ex-wife went to SUNY. So that uptown Myrtle Street by Albany, yeah. Albany Med, all those. But I lived in Troy, I lived in Schenectady, I lived in Cahoes before I left. You know, so, but mainly in it, more uptown, actually downtown too. You know, okay. all parts, yeah. <laughs> I moved so much in Albany, you know, when I was there, so. It's but amazing I, what they've done with that, that whole area over there by Myrtle Avenue. Um, uh, New Scotland, the Albany Med area. Yes. It, yeah. it, 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 uh, I've traveled a lot of places. And when I come home, it's just like that, what they're doing in that area, what they're doing in Albany uh, is, is really going to be uh, tr uh, transformative uh, for those who could survive everything else that's going on there. You know, I can yeah. see uh, uh, what's actually happening, the gentrification on top of the fact of the opportunities that's coming into the area. And like I said, uh, if you can survive what's going on, a couple more years to see uh, the landscape of what it's going to look like, it's it's really going to look amazing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just gentrification. I went. I come from Harlem. I took. I met some siblings. Mm -hmm. I had um, I met them six years ago. So, dad had siblings on the other side, and finally met them. So we went to Harlem for dinner. I took them out and said, "Yeah, grandma used to live there, and we all knew it, but it had changed." Yeah. So it's happening as we speak throughout the country. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the whole changing process. So. Yeah, yeah. But all me, it's definitely, it definitely changing. And uh, the, the goal is to always make it better, you know, make it better for everyone, you know, not okay. just the affluent, but also us sure. as Americans. How do we set the stage? Should we be in better communities and feel good about where we're at? Because that's the way um, we're going to help each other. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I think a lot of it still, uh, still does has to do with mindset. You know, uh, it's sometimes it's not even about the environment or the, uh, the community, the city uh, in which you're in, because if your mindset uh, uh, is a poor mindset, it doesn't matter where you're at because you're going to bring that same poor mindset to, uh, to whatever beautiful place you may happen to land. But I think the more that we decide to grow, uh, have a growth mindset. Um, you know, uh, I know you and I were talking offline about being uncomfortable and those moments of being uncomfortable is where you're really forced to, to grow. And I think that as individuals, as a community, you know, we deserve to have a lot more growth and opportunity uh, and development on that way. A lot of people will talk about all of the, the problems, but I say, you know, look at the micro things that we can work on, which is our ourselves, our individual families, and if everyone starts to work on those things, the larger picture becomes more of a beautiful picture, too, when we're looking at synergy as a whole. Yeah. And, Joe, you brought up a great point about the mindset, because, again, as McDonald's evolved, we talked about mindsets. We talked about a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And that fixed mindset is, well, uh, my, my dad or my mom was always uh, doing this with drugs and things like that, so I can't change or what have been negative things, you got that fixed mindset. Or even in the restaurant, we say we can't staff these restaurants because we never staff. No, we currently can't staff it, but we have things to do. So have that growth mindset. You know, even, you know, yeah, my family has this history of, of whether negative or whatever. However, I can do this to change that, that, that past fixed mindset. And that's important, have a growth mindset. And when you have a growth mindset, uh, anything's possible. So how do we teach our kids to have a growth mindset and believe in themselves? 
Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, that's uh, that that is the biggest part of the journey uh, uh, for me. You know, when you talk about they say it's easy to it's easy to create success for yourself. It's really hard to duplicate your success in others. So, you know, in my in my road or on my road as a mentor working with other individuals, I just look at how important it is to uh, uh, to be a vessel or to be uh, a game changer for other people to say, you know what, you don't have to stay on this path. You don't have to just be limited here. But if you choose to be limited here, this is what's available to you, too. But, you know, if you believe enough, if you have enough faith, if you give yourself enough time, you know, you, you'll see the other opportunities that God has uh, uh, available for us. You, know, it, you hit some key words. Here. So as the president <laughs> of the 100 Black Men of Louisville, we had a shirt that says, we are the game changers in the hood. Mm. 100 Black Men and then the shirt said, we're, we're, we're the game changers in the hood. You know, so how do you how do you change that game? How do you change the narrative to make sure that? And I also, when I talk to young adults, I sometimes I try to help them. I say, you know, I might have ten or fifteen or maybe more in front of me. I said, you know, I said oh, only one of you are listening to me, but I'm okay with that. So, I, so when I'm finished, I usually get more than that. But you always set that up that you know we we can be role models. We can be there, and we got we can show them that there's a way, but they got they got to come and believe in it. Okay, you know, you know, we paint the picture. I can show them my walk. Their walk is a little different. It might be a little bumpy in them. I always talk about two things, and you've probably heard this before, you know, uh, when you're driving a car, you got the rear view, rear view mirror, and you got the big windshield. And the rear view is your past. It could be ugly, it could be, you know, whatever it is, it's the past. And you're driving as fast as you can, I drive fast sometimes, to get away from it. So I'm looking at the, the windshield, and that's my future. My future is bright. What's behind me is what I learned, what, what good, bad, or but I'm learning from it. Yep. I also talk about, you know, life is a roller coaster. Absolutely. And when you're going up, you go up, you're going up because you're happy, you're excited because you're probably riding high. When you go down, you probably made a mistake. So you're scared. Hope you learn during going down. So when you come back up, you don't make those dips as often. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a life is a journey. Life is an ever, ever, forever learning. You know, and hopefully, and Ray Kroc talked the founder of McDonald's said, when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you're riding. Mm-hmm. So we got to continue to be green and, and learn. You know? I love um, it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Let me see. Uh, what about, um, uh, I, I know I know we're talking about uh, uh, youth or young adults. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the questions I always like, I like to ask uh, my guests is, if you were to think about the younger version of yourself, Gary, think about uh, the Gary who just was probably still in Harlem or just moving up to uh, to Albany, but what is one thing that you wish that you know now that you would tell the younger version of yourself? I think a lot of youth uh, have a difficult time identifying or seeing themselves in the success of other people, right? Sometimes it just feels like, oh, you're so far removed. But as we grow, I think that we end up learning so many things that we wish that we had known when we were younger. So thinking about the younger Gary, what is one thing that you wish someone would have told the younger version of you? Um, that's a good one. I, and I got to think about it because um, I know for a fact that um, I probably, and I really think about this one because I want to make sure I say it right. The younger version of me wish what someone would told me that maybe that you know you can do anything that you put your mind to. 
but I don't think I ever got that enough confidence from anyone that says, hey, Gary, if you focus on this, you can do this. I think when it goes back to role models. So what were my role models growing up? My role model, and I'm going to be transparent and yep. point blank. When I walked out of the streets of Harlem, who did I see? Drug dealers, yep. stick-up kids. And some of them protected me. So that's what I saw more than anything. Um, so if I would have saw more of the positive, that might have been what attracted me. Because again, I might have made, because again, I made the roller coasters, I made mistakes in life. Um, I tell people that um, um, I watched, I was part of Leroy Nikki Bond's organization, mm. Mr. Untouchable. Mm. I watched his organization fall when I was 18 years old. Uh, I went graduated from high school. The counselor said, she said, me, that, you know, I didn't think you'll make it. Mm. You know, uh, so when I walked down the aisle, she was shocked on time. But I went to Manhattan Community College, funked out, mm. went back to the streets hustling, mm. and then um, got a chance to come to Albany. Mm. And, and that's when things changed. But I, I didn't learn because I still played both sides of the streets until I was 31 years old. Until McDonald's, people are saying, Gary, you can do anything you want. We can take a risk in your own country to see other Black successful people. When I started to see that in corporate America, then I said, wow, I can make $100,000 illegally? I can make $100,000 with my mind. When I realized that, all that was the past. I can stop killing my people, hurting my people. And now I can focus and be proud of what I'm doing. Because I had uh, one of my siblings... Uh, I had someone in the family member when I came back from college, I graduated from St. Rose and I'm in there. And, and they said to me, I said, I got a job working at McDonald's. They said, you went to college to work for McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, you got out of Harlem, you graduated, you got a job. They said, you went to college to work for McDonald's. So not even having someone in this person had two careers and really didn't even have to say, hey, congratulations. Yep. Uh, so I look back and um, I think the, the big thing is having having more role models. Okay. Uh, I had a couple throughout, no tibbets, but I was also blessed to have um, an uncle and an aunt that lived in Harlem and they moved to the Bronx. So I would take the train to the Bronx. Mm. They moved to New Rochelle, so I would take the train to New Rochelle. And a friend that moved to Mount Vernon, I would take. So weekends I would get out on my own mm. and that helped set the stage when I went to Albany to be comfortable with traveling. Yes. A lot of time as, as African-Americans, we are trapped in that block, yep. right? And we put a name on the block because that's so-and-so's block. Mm-hmm. But when they go, whatever happens bad, good or different, when they're gone, the block is still really to own the block. And you don't own it. Right, so, so this is so-and-so corner. But when that person, whatever happens, good or bad and different that person, then someone else takes over the block. And we got to get our, our youth to understand that, um, get them to see other parts of life or, or, or the world or the cities, you know, get them traveling so they get comfortable because you get trapped in that one area and that's all you know, you know? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm smiling so much when I, when I hear you speak because there's so many uh, similarities between uh, your story that I never even know, uh, I never even knew uh, that uh, I definitely went through myself, but you'll get a chance uh, 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 to read it for me uh, uh, when that book when that book arrives. But right. you know, from getting kicked yeah, out right. of high school, from hustling, um, mm-hmm. 
to, like I said, um, getting the scholarship uh, from a, a, an organization called Sponsor the Scholar and uh, moving down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And, you know, in a, in a couple of months, you know, everything, my trajectory changed from where it could have been right. uh, to where it is now. You know what I mean? To say, you know, I got a 16 year span uh, working for the federal government to say, you know, I've traveled all over the world. To say I got three healthy sons, you know, that don't have to experience any of the things that I had to experience. Right. And when I'm hearing it, it was just like, I would have never known. Mm-hmm. I would have never known this. Uh, but it's uh, uh, one, that's that's one of the amazing things of life when you get to live long enough to mature enough to sit down and hear uh, somebody else's story. And I think those are the game changers. Right. So many people think that, oh, okay, well, they'll see you today as an owner uh, and be like, oh, well, you know, uh, Gary, how can you identify with what it is that I'm going through? Hell, hey, Tyrell, what do you know about uh, 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 what I'm going through? Everything. Everything. Everything that you're going through, I probably did it yeah. or worse. Right. So, yeah. you know. And, and uh, you know, the thing, the thing is, and think about it because, again, um, uh, we're going, you know, we're, we're talking about, but even thinking about, now, I'll, I'll say this about McDonald's because um, I got a jacket hanging behind me. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's the 50th anniversary for the black operators in McDonald's. Mm. 50 years of being black operators. I'm two years in. Mm. I should have became an operator maybe 10 years ago. But if you look, Google McDonald's, uh, McDonald's Corporation has made more black millionaires than any other company wow. in existence. I was in, I was in um, California with a meeting their 50th anniversary. And to sit in a room with that many millionaires mm. is unheard of. You know, unheard of. Uh, we are still not, we still have a fight to go when it comes to equity in terms of what one operator makes compared to our white counterparts. Yep. But still, we are been more successful than any other corporation, any other company. McDonald's is a franchising system. And so it gives us that fortitude to, to, to be that, you know. So I'm proud to be there. Well, well, I'm happy, not satisfied. But it's great to know that, you know, and again, on the company side, I was pretty successful. I, you know, if I, if I turn my, uh, let me just turn this around and sit, I hate to do it, but um, if I go here, it's, 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 and it's full mm. of all my accolades mm. out my career at McDonald's. Um, and so, and again, I'm still trying to organize this thing, but they, they things like the McCafe Shake. Yes. I, they started in four of my restaurants. They tested in Wisconsin before with the 15,000 restaurants. So I was, I played a major part in the operations piece of it. Marketing did their share, menu management did theirs, but it tested in my restaurant. The register we take orders on, it was words, now it's pictures. They tested in three of my restaurants before with the 24,000 restaurants. So I, I had the privilege of helping things come to fruition as a McDonald's employee. And they came to me and said, Gary, can you help? And these company restaurants test these things. And I said, why not? Uh, so that's what I'm proud about, what this brand has helped me to be a part of bringing things to life. And I go on about other things that helped with the brand. Uh, and that's, I what I, that's what I think when our youth come to, you know, so everything, and it wasn't easy. Because I got, again, I got people who said, he, he can't run those restaurants. 
And then, you know, uh, two years later, I had the best, best restaurants in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, best 31 restaurants worthy. At one point at, in 2010, I was a President's Award winner. Top one, top one percent around the world in operations manager. So, out of you know, maybe fifteen hundred operations managers, I'm the top one percent. And so that's an award that that that's that's for manager. It's it's pretty good. So, uh, and that's what you know the system has offered. You know, operators uh, do things on their own too for the people. Uh, the people don't realize that. Well, shout out to McDonald's, because once again, for everybody who's listening in or if you're watching in, uh, there's amazing opportunities, uh, uh, careers. Like a lot of times you don't you don't hear people talk about how, you know, there is a career path in uh, uh, an organization, a corporation like McDonald's. And, you know, if you connect yourself with the right people, if you take advantage of the opportunities, and that's one of the things I try to uh, tell people take advantage of the opportunities. Everyone's always looking for the immediate, oh, give me a hundred thousand or give me something. Listen, take advantage of the opportunities, learn the systems, learn the experience, learn the uh, communication skills. The communication skills is going to take you further than, 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 than anything. Saying learning how to be in the room and be comfortable being who you are. You know, I, I sit and, and, and give briefs and presentations at my job to all of the top 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 executives. And it's just like, well, wow, how are you so comfortable? I've been speaking. I've been doing this my entire life. Yeah. It's just like, you know, this is what comes natural to me. So take advantage of those opportunities. But and um, even if it doesn't come natural to you, you know, you go back to what's being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Tell mm-hmm. somebody this is something I want to work on. And because again, I got, I'll go back to St. Rose. One of the projects we had when I was a senior, I had to present in front of my class. And it was a group of four of us. I called in sick because I was scared to, to present. So <laughs> McDonald's found out about that. They sent me to Dale Carnegie. They put me in a stage, you know, with first seating classes, did a worldwide convention with 5,000 managers, three rotations, 15,000, three rotations. And the audience had about 250 in. I did 15 shows in Manila Bay for two weeks I was out there. And they put me on stage with them. And they taught me how to be comfortable, right? And then following year, a worldwide convention in Orlando, where 25,000 people come, you know, I got 1,500 people in the audience. And they said, you, gonna, you and um, Allison are gonna be the two that talk about a good restaurant and a bad restaurant mm-hmm. with 1,500 people in the audience. So a company also understand, the company to understand you share the same values with. We see continuous improvement. And that's one thing they wanted to me. How do we, they help me get better? Help the restaurants get better. And they helped me to become comfortable talking. That was one of my critical flaws, you know, talking. It, well, it's, it's a common one. They say, well, you know, uh, the most common fear amongst all Americans is the fear of public speaking. Right. So it's like people would rather die <laughs> yeah, than, just, than, yeah. than to speak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they, they, they realized and said, we're going to help. And that's, that, that's understanding that. You know, um, be be with the right people, help them understand what your opportunities are, and if they're supportive, they'll help you grow. Yeah. All right. Let me see. Uh, uh, do you give yourself permission to change? Why or why not? Well, I, I got to give myself permission to change uh, because when you give this permission to change, it goes back to willing to grow. Uh, because again, it goes. I think it goes back to being comfortable, and uncomfortable, being uncomfortable. 
and uh, change. There was, um, we, again, McDonald's, all this change stuff. And, you know, one book called uh, Iceberg is Melting. And it was a group, group of penguins that had an iceberg and it was melting. And in order for them to survive, they had to change. Hmm. Simple, straight story book, but it was common sense that you got to change to get better. If you don't change, you stay in the same pigeonhole or same situation you're in, and it doesn't allow you, you to grow. No change is uncomfortable. Uh, and I give my permission to change, even buying the restaurant, you know, it was a big change. You know, now I am, um, uh, before the corporate employee, you had HR, you had everything, all the different disciplines, right? Mm-hmm. So as an owner, I am a doctor, mm-hmm. I'm a financial planner for people. I'm a lawyer, and I'm wearing so many different hats. So uh, I got to be able to, to adapt and change. I got to give myself permission. I love it. I love it. And you know, whenever whenever I see pictures of you uh, doing events, I always see you smiling. You know, and it's like you're having fun. You're having a good time. Uh, and you know, uh, I I am glad that you enjoy what you do because I know that that resonates with uh, the people that you work with. And you help them to uh, enjoy what it is uh, that they uh, they're doing, and you guys are able to create success together, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a team, but also uh, individually. Because I can only imagine the success that individuals who come up underneath you uh, have experienced in our experience, and as a direct result of just being tied to you, Gary. You definitely got to create that comfortable environment, you know. Even you know, when, with the customers, you got to make them smile. Because those are the ones I try to tell my employer, those are the ones that are going to pay us. Yeah. Money comes in my hand and to your, yeah. to, to, to your hand, but it doesn't come from me. So we got to enjoy it. And sometimes I always say, you know, either, either um, I love it or, I'm, or how you say in a million. So either I like it or I'm crazy. So mm. sometimes <laughs> I'm crazy, but I, I like what I'm doing. You know, to do it for, you know, be 40 years in, in, in 19 and 83 started, so next year will be officially 40 years. But you know, there's been some sad times, there's been some challenging times, but the good outweigh the bad. So you got to smile, and every time, like you said, and there's a book, um, a brother named, but he he's a, um, and I'm getting I'm getting you know getting old, but he he is um, known for running or doing the Rangers training, um, and. He talked about something that, that I use now. Excuse me, sir. All right. And he says, you know, you got to pat yourself on the back, right? So when you do something well, put it in your jar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was drawing a blank, but he was from Indiana and he became a Navy SEAL. He did two hell nights or hell weeks and then ranger training. Only brother, only person in the world has done it. Um, and it's slipping my mind now, uh, but I'll pull it up. But so every now, when I do something I feel proud of, I'll put it in the cookie jar. So when someone comes mm-hmm. up, he says, "Here," yeah, uh, and I got, I got a loan for I got only I got a loan for so like I said the dollar amount, but I got a bunch of I loan. That's why I want to pay it off me. Uh, yeah, and I, the restaurant I purchased, um, it never did what it did before, but the 12 and 12 months, it, it blew it away by over a million dollars. Wow. So put it in, you know, so you start, and this, that's current stuff. When you think about all the things you do, 
Um, you got to be proud of it. Uh, I sold my house in Louisville, made a ton of money. <laughs> so how do you, you know, because there's always going to be someone that, that doubts you. But you can, you know, when you put things that you've achieved that no one can take away from you, you mm. put up. Yeah. I love it. And, and so, I, you know, so I try to do that, you know, to make sure that I stay grounded, that no matter how difficult life is, I have some accolades that I, I can be proud of, you know. I love so. it. I love it. Um, you know, well, uh, one of the things uh, I'm, I'm going to take you to right now is because uh, we don't oftentimes get a chance to see the success stories, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, 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 individual's life or their story gets cut short because there's a lot of other variables that go on in these environments that you actually work with. And I yeah. can only imagine uh, what you've seen over the years uh, uh, as both now uh, owner and operator, uh, but the people that have come uh, into your field, as well as the individuals in Indiana, New York, or in Albany that you've come across with. But one of the things I always talk about uh, on the podcast too, because I've been directly affected by it my entire life, is gun violence. It's something that plagues the communities that I love, that I live in. And I always talk about, you know, ways to make things better. But how have you been impacted by gun violence uh, in the Capital District area? But for you, I know you've, uh, you're a world traveler, so I can only imagine uh, uh, it's all over the place with you, even yeah. in Indiana. Before I get to the, the brother name is David Goggins, uh, that, that, that if you Google him. So, you know, I grew up in gun violence uh, in Harlem. And, um, and I'll tell you, so at the age of 11, I, I, I knew how to make a gun. Mm. Um, I have a wound on my arm right here that we were, you could break antenna off and make a gun. So at 11 years old, when I tell people the streets, cause also I've done the junior achievement program in Albany. Mm-hmm. And so people said, do you want to go into high schools? I said, no, I don't want to go to high schools. I want to go into middle schools because mm-hmm. the streets get our kids at 11 years old. So I want to go in there and try to help them understand that you can't be somebody. Mm-hmm. So when, when I did that, um, you know, but I watched in Harlem people shot and died. Um, had cousins that died, um, close cousins in, in the city. Uh, and, and, and then recently, you know, in Albany, that I said to you earlier, Albany, I said Albany saved my life coming from Harlem to start a family, to be able to give back to the community, to change my life, to stop doing what I was doing back and forth in New York City in Albany to a certain extent. Um, but it took my daughter's life, my baby girl, uh, July 3rd, uh, Dominique Healing, Kate Hollywood. And so you hear about it, you have family members, but you never experience the trauma until you walk behind the casket of your child. Um, you know, and she did a lot of good things. You know, people might say she, she, was, she wasn't perfect. And none of us are perfect, but she didn't deserve to die like that. So gun violence, um, it, 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 it's horrible because again, I always tell people, it heightened during the pandemic for some strange reason. One, because again, the social environment we're in, we're trapped amongst each other. The drugs are in the community. 
lack of education, lack of vision, lack of, you know, and then just just the the um, the way we've been raised not to care about each other as African-Americans. Um, so uh, I also say to myself that all the guns, you know, we're, we know people can go buy guns and sell them back in the streets. Mm -hmm. It does seem to be, well, I was in Louisville, I was in Louisville at the time, Kentucky, mm -hmm. and murder spiked there. Yep. I moved to Indiana two years ago, and in Indianapolis, it spiked. So I always see that guns are, I think, through the NRA, whatever, somewhere guns are being placed in the city streets more. Okay, okay. So the on, pandemic, on top of that, you, yeah. like, like you said, when you were 11, you could make a gun, right? It's just that, so they got ghost guns. They got ghost burners now. I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just like, you know, uh, so people, a lot of the guns that are on the, the streets right now are, are, are what's called uh, untraceable or, or ghost burners, right? And uh, you can buy pieces. There was a really big bust uh, there in the capital uh, region too. Uh, the guy was in, uh, having pieces sent all over the, uh, all over uh, uh, the states and then getting them and then uh, bringing them all together. But yeah. you got that on top of the fact that when you said, you know, you didn't know why it spiked during uh, COVID, in my opinion, a lot of it is because our mental uh, stability or emotional health, our mental health was fractured for a lot of us during that time period too. imagine to to have to isolate mm -hmm. so much and, and maybe in, in isolation, not being exposed to, you know, healthy avenues. It was just like, you know, we deteriorated a lot as a people. But sorry, I just wanted to. No, you're right, because I think going back to what I said earlier and growing up in Harlem, when I walked out of shit, who'd I see? Mm. Who were my mentors, whether the stick-up kid, a drug dealer, uh, a gang member? Those are the ones now being during the pandemic. All that stuff just just kind of exploded, yeah. you know? So, and, and, you know, and the violence just erupted. Uh, and, and, and that, that you know, hurt. It hurt our community. Uh, and things like that. So, again, you know, uh, you know, again, I, I'm my daughter was here with me, and she's starting to say, "Dad," but you know, she did hip hop and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And she said, "Dad," uh, she started to talk about salary with me. I want to get a salary. What's the salary look like? And she said, "No, she left in late June. She was doing her birthday in July 12, uh, and she was gonna come back here." A good friend of hers, he came back. You know, there's a friend she met, and she bought my. He said, "Yeah, we're coming back." He came back and he he's working with me at his own place now. Uh, but she was supposed to come back, and uh, you know I'm fixing her. She had, you know she, like I got told at the funeral she always had a room no matter where I went. So her room is made here, you know. Uh, and uh, but the, the violence has to stop. We got to be you know we got we got to start caring for each other more, you know. And, and I was talking to uh, someone about. Even in prison, they said in prison uh, that you can come in if you're white, Hispanic, or black. You see the whites click together, the Hispanics click together, but still in prison, as African Americans, we're still fighting each other. And it goes back to slavery where they taught us to fight ourselves. And they continue to do that, putting us in where we are to make us feel, you know. Like we're, we value ourselves when we, we fight amongst ourselves and we got to change that narrative, you know? 
I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, and uh, 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 one, sorry for the passing uh, of Dom, uh, but uh, I'm thankful that you are carrying on her legacy and, and keeping, uh, keeping her spirit alive. But I believe what you just said is the truth. We have to learn how to love and to care for each other a little bit better uh, than what we've been conditioned to do. Right. And it's really hard when it's all that you see. Yeah, I know for me, for a good part of my life, it was just like I didn't I couldn't see that there were other opportunities. It was a better way because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm walking in a four block radius every day. And this is and this is this is what, you know, I'm programmed to do. But like I said, by the grace of God, you know, you start to get a little bit of exposure. You start to travel a little bit and you realize Mm -hmm. that, you know what? Life is a lot bigger than these four blocks. Life right. is a lot bigger than the city of Albany. Life is a lot bigger than New York. Life is a lot bigger than the United States. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, how do we make sure that that's the message? How do we make sure that families have enough resources to survive the times and to ensure that, you know, we give our kids a fighting chance? And right. I think that's a community issue that needs to um, be looked at, to be considered, uh, and uh, uh, to really put some more efforts towards uh, in a in, in a tangible way. Because it's like we'll come out, we'll, uh, we'll come out, we'll do riots if if we think that something bad happened. But you know, uh, a, a scene of killing is just as bad, right? Realizing the 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 uh, post traumatic stress that a lot of the families and the and the youth have to endure on a day-to-day basis just because of the community they live in is huge too right. and, and deserves uh, some attention. But right. I, I thank you uh, uh, for uh, in, 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 in indulging me in my question. Uh, you know, I do realize the sensitivity of it with you, but uh, I think you as a dad, you as a parent, you as a person who's had to witness it uh, would be someone that the world needs to hear and listen to because a lot of times we don't realize that we're affected on both ends. The victim is affected their family. The, uh, the assailants are affected their family. And it, we, we end up just crushing our community. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I think when you said when we crush our community, it now uh, people on the outside now again paint the picture of how we are in a negative manner, you know? And, and the other thing we need to look at is how we can educate our people as they get older and have the opportunity to vote, to understand mm. how the local officials are helping the communities or not helping the communities mm. and making sure we put the right people in office and to hold them accountable. Uh, because, you know, at a higher level, we know that, um, there's not uh, justice for us. The Supreme Court, you can look at now, it's slighted for, you know, Republicans, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, we gotta make sure that we understand that we can vote for those who are going to be supporting us. Okay, okay. Yeah. all right. Now let me see, man, I got three questions for you, Gary, and I'm gonna let you go. I know you're a busy man. Uh, you know, I know uh, you had a busy day already at the restaurant, so I'm gonna let you go. Um, uh, 
this is probably my favorite question that I like to ask everyone that's on the show. Uh, how would you define success? Well, you know, everyone, you know, again, everyone has their own terms of success. My success is one, um, leaving a legacy. And the legacy um, is that of being able to, because there's money part of a legacy in some way, right? But it's not about money. It's about leaving a legacy that you taught someone else how to persevere the ups and downs like we talked about. How when you're being um, questioned or being challenged to say you can't do something, you prove them wrong. And that's what I tell people throughout my 36 years, I can, I can probably pull a ticket out of each one that I container how I continue to prove someone wrong. Uh, so how do you persevere when, when, there's a, when there's a ceiling above you to push through that ceiling? Um, that's one way. And then also, the one thing that I was not blessed with was generational wealth. And that could be money, it could be, I um, say, uh, assets. Yep. But how do I leave something that can go several generations? Mm. Uh, because I tell people I came to Albany with nothing in my pocket. So I think the, the mental fortitude that someone say, hey, I can push through no matter what happened. Mm. You know, because there's always gonna be naysayers. Um, and I listened to a song I hadn't listened to in a long time, but it's uh, CC Whining, and it says, it's pray. When the world is on your shoulder, we pray, you pray, you pray. So I had to listen to it again, because there's a lot of things that uh, people will continue not to see that I'm hurting. People will still come to, 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 to need you. How do you, how do you help in a time of when you're hurting. Uh, so, you know, that's what I think about the legacy of, you know, building financial wealth or financial assets for people, my family, helping people along the way, uh, but also setting the stage where people say, you know what, he pushed through no matter what happened, he continued. And that's what I want. Okay. And you touched on, uh, uh, you know, uh, a legacy, uh, I, like you said, it's both uh, financially, but it's also about the stability uh, 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 and the character branding of the individuals that, uh, that are in your family. But one thing I love about this time period that we're in is that we talk about finances way more than uh, I, I, I think ever. You know, you got platforms like Earn Your Leisure. Uh, Ashcast, all of these different platforms that are educating individuals that look like us about how to invest, about how to own. So, you know, when you look at uh, 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 Gary Ely and you say, well, you know what? This is where I started at. This is where I am now. And, you know, I haven't even started to touch where I'm about to go. You know, so when you just said that, that's, that's, it made me think about, you know, that's, that's part of your legacy. You know, uh, leaving a path, a roadmap for other individuals to realize that, you know, it doesn't have to stop there. It can, right. it can stop somewhere else. Right. All right. My last question for you is, 
um, thinking about your life's path, what what are you most proud about in your life's path? Hmm. Uh, and you know, I think, and you got corporate things, you got personal things you can be proud of in your life path. Um, one of the things I did too, um, I was, I'm proud of what I, what um, being raised by a single parent for the most part, right? And um, her name was Minnie Ely, my mom's, right? My angel. And again, Woodside, I just put back, but I went to school in the Woodside for all my life. And that was my dad's name. I've probably seen him about 10 times in my whole life. The last time I saw him, I was hustling on 8th Avenue. Mm. And he came down the street, it was dark, and he had a woman in his arm. I turned him back and I wanted him to see me. I graduated from high school, but he didn't know I graduated. Mm. He was a dapper guy. And um, I turned my back, and then after that, mom's got me out of Harlem. I graduated from St. Rose, and when I applied for McDonald's, I told him I didn't want to use his, my name, my dad's name, because he really didn't do anything in my mind to be with me throughout this whole process. And so what with Ely? Ely is not even a, any part of my family roots. Lizelle, Turner, Woodside. So I was so proud to say my mother raised us by herself, that that's the name I want to use. You know, and after 30 something years, I finally go on Facebook and find my siblings that dad had kids. He was married in Brooklyn, had kids in Harlem. I knew about them, but I left Harlem. I couldn't really track them down. I tried to once. And they really, we, we synced them then. And, um, but going back, I was proud to say Minnie Ely was my, she was in the school system. She's got recognized for things with 11th grade education. You know, and uh, my my room in here, the room, my dining room, as it was in Louisville, was named after her, mm-hmm. and everything, all the all the plaques that she's gotten, not all of them, but the one I could get in the living room hanging up now. That's a proud moment, showing that my mom's, because she went through a lot. She was always involved in the community. They say, "Hey, you started something, a legacy mm-hmm. that I was proud of. That even though I I." I did things wrong in the street. At some time in life, I decided I got I can't hurt you anymore. And I got to prove to you that your son is going to carry on your legacy. That's no problem. That is an amazing uh, testament. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you to Minnie Ely uh, for raising you and for you allowing that uh the legacy of your mother to be on your back for all of these years for you to create what it is that you're creating. Um, listen, I, I am enjoying your interview for so many different reasons, Gary. Uh, and it's like, you know, even the connection between you and your mom, uh, I am enjoying your story for so many different reasons. Um, uh, and I can't wait to get your story out to the people one, because 
your story is what we need to hear. You know, uh, we need to hear the story of your mother. You know, we need to hear the story of individuals who look like us, who have decided to persevere no matter what, and to also leave a path for other people if they choose to, to follow. Right. right? So thank you for being a leader for all of these years. Uh, thank you for being a stand-up dude. Uh, thank you for being an owner, for making that decision for the last two years uh, there with McDonald's. And thank you for promoting a corporation that has values that do care about our community. And thank you for being on the forefront of that and being the face of that. Thank you for giving me your time and being on the back community. And I really can't wait to get your story out to the people, Gary. All right, Brother Taro, thank you very much for giving me time on your platform. I appreciate it. And I wish you continued success because uh, you've done the best, uh, again, coming from where you came from, you, you, you kind of, I said, paved a pathway for your kids and, and for others to see that we can persevere. You yes, know, sir. we are viable to this society and uh, we have to be proud of it. We need to show everyone that we are, we are part of the fibers of this country. Uh, we'll persevere. So I appreciate your time. Thanks for giving me time. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. Thank you very much, man. I'll let you get back to the rest of your evening. The back community, uh, you got a chance to hear from Mr. Gary Woodside Ely himself. Uh, 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 thank you for giving me your time. Gary, I'll play catch up with you next time, man. You have a wonderful night, sir. Same to you. God bless. All right. Take All right. You too, man. God bless. Later.